None of those boys would want us to give up the life we have for those that we lost. Mm. Like that's a lot of loss. It's, that's a lot of loss. It's out of order. But you also become acutely aware of the impermanence of everything. Mm. And like really, who has anything figured out? Yeah. But somehow you do. You do. Like, And I think our life prepared us to figure out how to mm. trudge through this. Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number 108. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. Um, I am pumped about today's conversation. Uh, the minute that this name came up, I was like, oh yes, this would be awesome. So um, before we get into it, I want to quickly, uh, for all those who are listening to this or listen to the past shows, um, it's we're trying to get some more awareness around this podcast. And if you have time, we'd love it if you subscribe to it like it leave a comment comment send me a dm or my guest a dm we're just uh, we're trying to build more exposure so anything you can do to help us out we'd appreciate it um without further ado name and who you are thanks jeff um it's a real honor to be asked to come and sit down with you um i'm bonnie mccray kill and i grew up in calgary well actually i was born in regina three years old my parents moved to calgary with our family I'm the youngest of four and mm. the only girl, so no pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm still being reminded of how special <laughs> my place in the family was. So, um, what are you doing right now? What am I doing right now? Well, just like in the last, in the last, when I say who you are, how would you, how would you kind of, how would you summarize that? I think I'm. Uh, first of all, I know I am someone that definitely. I have a lot of compassion and I have a kind of a servant leadership style mm -hmm. coming up through sport and my particular activities. Um, I look for the best in people and I want to kind of raise those around me mm -hmm. to a different level. And um, I, th I think I have a great lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I think I have a lot of gratitude for the opportunities that have come my way and the support I have around me. Lucky. I'm very lucky, mm -hmm. very lucky. Um, you've seen a few of these shows? Yes. So you kind of know where, it's, where we're going to go with this. So I, I, like, I can't wait to hear your story. So take it back as far as you want to go. You know, where you grew up, you touched on it, but how you grew up, yeah. how your parents influenced your three brothers, just your environment and how it kind of influenced you. And then we'll kind of weave our way to where you are today. Okay. So um, I think we were as... My siblings and I were raised in a house with a really good work ethic. Mm -hmm. You know, my my mom's parents were farmers, and it, it was it was a lot about work. Um, my dad taught me the value of play, mm. and uh, my parents were not pushy. They were very supportive. Um, I started in sport at a really young age. I actually my mom's dream for her young girl, who was like probably five foot eight in grade one or something ridiculous <laughs> was to be a dancer. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't have a lot of money. And I remember when I turned five, my mom had enough money to take me to the Alan Kazubo School of Dance, which was a big deal here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. My first ballet lesson and 10 minutes in, he's like, no, just no, no ballet. Your daughter is tap dancer. <laughs> just the way you're moving. It was just 
just too rough and tumble. Mm. Like, you know, keeping up with my brothers. Yeah. So my mom was distraught, but you know, off I went to tap dancing and respect to him because he wasn't like, oh, and over here we have tap dancing and you can do jazz. And we had one activity. Mm -hmm. So I did that until grade six and I didn't, I don't think I really loved it. And I really didn't like those curlers in my hair, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then I had an accident. I was too big for my desk. I, our desks at St. Leo here in Calgary, it was a table and a chair yep. and my legs were too long. So the table actually teetered on my legs and I leaned back in my chair and my desk came down and like cut two toes really severely. No way. So I didn't do my grade six tap exam. Mm. But what happened was I turned courses completely and um, we lived out in Lakeview. My parents built in 1968 and I signed up for the Lakeview community softball team. Cool. And we had extraordinary coaches, mm. parents of two of the girls, Alice and Bob Thomas, and I loved it. I never knew how much I love sport. And that was the beginning of sport. Did you, um, when you grew up with three brothers, was there this like ball of energy wherever you guys went? Like, was it, you spent a lot of time outside? Were you guys playing like random things around sport, but nothing um, organized? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in, in Lakeview Village, right on 66th Avenue. Oh, yeah. And in those days, there weren't many rules. Mm -hmm. Well, at least we didn't follow them. Mm -hmm. So my dad would bring home snowmobiles from the gas plants, or my brothers would get in, got into motorcycling. We literally rode out the backyard down 66 into the weasel head. We were snowmobiling on the Glenmore Reservoir in the winter. No way. Like it was crazy mm -hmm. and it was fun. And I was trying to keep up with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom knew we'd show up when we got hungry. So it was really unrestricted play. Mm -hmm. So not organized. I didn't do any organized sport till grade six. Mm -hmm. That um, keeping up with your, bro with your brothers? Was it, um, so I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Mm -hmm. So I'm the oldest, and my, and my little sister, like we kind of, not tormented her, but like, you know, she was the goalie when we were shooting, yeah. shooting tennis balls. She was just, you know, she was always there and just like wanted to be around. Was it this, this idea of keeping up? Was it nonstop? Like you just push yourself to just be there and. I, I have to say yes. I mean, there was a real pecking order, mm. you know, the oldest, and then he would, you know, go after the second oldest and then the third and then there's me. Mm -hmm. But I was in the in the net with the um, masking tape mm -hmm. net and hockey, soft hockey pucks in our undeveloped basement. So it's yeah, like, yeah, it was tough upbringing, <laughs> tough upbringing, but I wouldn't trade it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So you find softball? I find softball. Yeah, it was just like, a I don't know, my mom signed me up. Mm. And I mean, team sport and... I think, you know, I, I study kinesiology. So in the Eastern view of things, they do a lot of uh, physical literacy, which in the olden days, the Eastern Bloc was a lot of movement education. And mm. I think that's what that dance was. So then when I got into sport, it was like, do this. Oh, okay, I know how to put my foot there and my hand there. And so that dance training really was a natural transition. Yep. And I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of that play. I, I loved it. Mm. It was really something I had to do every day. Was there other like young girls doing sport around you, or was it? Did you notice that, or did I didn't? I didn't, didn't really, really notice it. It. Uh, it was a girls' softball team, yep. and uh, two of them were very good badminton players. But I didn't. I didn't really notice. Mm. And unfortunately, like my parents were just cool with whatever we did. My mm. dad was a real is 
still a jock. He's 93. He curls three times a week. He golfs in the summer. So my my dad really knew the value of play, and, mm. and he's a real competitor. Uh, my mom grew up in a convent, but like she's probably the real athlete, but she just never had an opportunity. Mm. Growing up in that with parents like that, do they actually sit you down and explain to you how important sport is, or do they just kind of provide opportunities that you can kind of get your own experiences and figure it out? Um, definitely it was self-led. Mm. It's very um, much an intrinsic motivation. Yep. Um, I have to say there was a hot meal on the table when I got home, mm -hmm. and um, the socks were clean and back in the drawer, but they were not pushing it at all, mm. not at all. Mm. Amazing. Um, so what else happens? You're playing softball. How old are you? This is like I'm like twelve. Okay, and I'm I'm tall, but I'm pretty coordinated. Were you tall from like you said coming up? Like oh yeah, day like one. Day one, like <laughs> yeah, like I remember the Christmas pageant, and I'm in the middle with the tea, and I'm like a uh, head and shoulders no above way. every other kid. Mm. Tall early. Okay. So then I kind of I grew into my body quickly, yep. and then was pretty coordinated, mm -hmm. and went to um, junior high grade seven, probably the next year. And I was just like, oh my God, cross country tryouts, volleyball, basketball, badminton, mm -hmm. gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Like I just did it all. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got recognized at a track meet. Um, Bob Carver from the Thunderbolt Track Club is like, wow, you can run. And I'm like, what? What, what? Were you doing the, um, the short stuff, like sprints or long? Well, I think it was, he probably saw me at a cross country meet. Okay, so you're, yeah. Yeah, and then I started training mm -hmm. and we trained. 365 days of the year no way. yeah like all year long mm. in track and field but still doing all the school sports mm. until later on in my high school career i had to decide what i was yeah. doing um was junior high just all sports to you like when you think back to those times are those your like fondest memories um yeah they were i i was a good student yeah. I, li I liked i like to do a good job mm -hmm. and i'm detail orientated and committed and I'm not afraid of hard work. Mm -hmm. So I didn't mind school, but for sure I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for the set. I mm -hmm. couldn't wait for mm -hmm. team practice. Mm -hmm. And we had some remarkable leaders. Like I I feel so blessed and so lucky. Mm -hmm. Like really good coaches. Mm -hmm. Like I remember uh, in junior high, Doug Easton, like practice never ended until we wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. So if we were having fun and we were playing and he was teaching us, it just kept going on. Mm. And we were good. Mm. And I, I then was surrounded by some really like-minded young girls that love to be active. Mm. You, you, you have such a like, crisp memory of this. I like, do. Like, is it, for me, like, when I'm, as, you're, as you're saying this, I'm like, I don't know if I have, I guess there's a couple of hockey coaches that I felt were good coaches, but I probably didn't. I still don't fully recognize what made them good or if they actually were good, but it feels like you you really remember and understand how good they were. I, I really, really do. And I have so much gratitude for mm. just, I mean, it, it was luck. Mm. Like it could have been, well, yeah. a supervisor that knew nothing about it yeah. and really not made it fun. Mm -hmm. In fact, our junior high volleyball expert played club volleyball and when we aged out of grade nine, he moved with us to Bishop Carroll. No way. So we had this same coach leading our programs in volleyball mm. in particular for a long time. And mm. 
just very fortunate. And then it just kind of everything else yep. blew up Goes. from there. Yeah. So you, you go to Carol. Yeah. So back then was it also, um, it's always been like self-guided, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. you were, was that your, did you have another choice or was it always you're going to go to Carol? Well, I was um, representing Canada in track and field and volleyball in in high school. So Bishop Carroll was so perfect. <laughs> he could, you know, go to school and you could zip through things and mm -hmm. you could take stuff with you and it it was it was a perfect match mm -hmm. and it was the closest high school. Right. You know, I was in the separate system. Yeah. And uh it was really good for me. Um you snuck that in there. You're playing for the Canadian national team. So well, so let's so you're playing you're playing track, you're playing all the all the school sports in junior high. Mm-hmm. Come high school, what happens? Do you, did you have to right away specialize and do one or like what actually happened when you got to grade 10? Um, no, I kept doing them all. Mm. It was busy. Mm. Like I got home late at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I remember like walking, cycling, busing. When I turned 16, my parents had an old 1965 Valiant convertible for me because yeah. they didn't want me on the bus. Mm -hmm. But I was so driven to get to all these practices. So grade 12 comes around and I, I, I couldn't do both. And then the injury aspect gets into play. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling the basketball coach at Bishop Carroll, Ernie Lacusta, that I wasn't playing basketball and he was not happy mm -hmm. with me, but I was like, I was sure by then my sport, my forever sport was going to be volleyball. No I had decided um, volleyball, the culture of volleyball is different. Track was a blast. I was a multi-event athlete. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, throwing, jumping, running. It was pentathlon in those days. Oh, no way. So anyway, um, it's it's still individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, the team aspect of volleyball in the, in the preparation was really more fun. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a game, you know, it wasn't just yourself yeah. on the track yeah. or, I, I didn't mind that, but I chose volleyball because it was more fun. Mm. Not because you were better at it? Like, were you significantly better at one particular sport or was there a couple that you were like dominant at? Well, I think my two best sports were track and field and volleyball. Okay. I put a lot of time in mm. and I think the track really um, elevated me in the sport of volleyball because mm. I was really an all-round athlete. Mm. Like I was, I was really strong. I didn't overtrain in one sport. Yep. I did because I was multi-event. I had to train out all of that, yep. and I didn't know the science behind sport was different then. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was getting, but when I would go to volleyball tryouts for you know junior national team or something, fifteen, sixteen years old, like I was, I was pretty fit, mm -hmm. and that helped. They could teach you how to play volleyball if you're an athlete yep. first, yep. and I think I was recognized for that. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't really know. Do you, um, do you have strong feelings about the idea of, um, the younger generation right now specializing at a young age in like 12 months of the year? Yeah. Very strong feelings. I'd, I'd love to. I, I, I really do. I've oh. had this, um, so a friend of mine, Tyler Sloan, um, played in the AHL, NHL, um, grew up around a, a household where his dad was like a power skater and just, but he is very adamant about um, the idea of specializing. Specializing at a young age is not good for anybody. Yeah. And as soon as you were talking, and and as soon as you said like a well-rounded, well-rounded athlete, I was like, oh yeah, I want to hear this. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a sports scientist, but um, from what I read and what I see, um, 
I spent 30 years in volleyball coaching. We get calls like, can you do summer training with our 11-year-old? And it was just like, no, mm. we can't. Mm. We really don't agree with it. And I've asked a lot of um, le leaders in other sports, and it's really, it's really sad. I mean, even if you don't specialize at a young age and train year-round, the whole business of sport mm. has taken over. And um, uh, parents get they get fed the wine and the Kool-Aid or whatever, yep. and they think they need to do, you know, spring power skating and then spring league and then summer league and then quadrant hockey and then all the fundraising. And, like, I, I don't know how we're going to change, but I think I'm not an expert in hockey and uh, volleyball maybe also. The business of sport, yeah. like these people running all these programs mm -hmm. and – I don't know. I think even our national organizations know we need to do more cross-training. Mm -hmm. The body develops differently when you're moving on different planes in different directions yeah. from different sports. Mm -hmm. The burnout factor. I mean, if I had a daughter, I mean, I I don't care if she's in sport at five. I need her in sport at 15. Yeah. And I don't need her dropping out at 13. And mm -hmm. there's a huge uh you know, bubble where girls and yep. boys probably, yep. they drop out, they burn out, they get bored. Mm -hmm. They, But I don't know what the solution is. Mm -hmm. Like the sports scientists know it's not the way to go, but yep. uh, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's a business. Once it, it becomes a business, who's going who's gonna to turn down money? That's right. Like you're not going to take these individuals that have created these decent sized businesses around these sports. You're not, you can't tell them that, well, you can't run your business anymore because that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And I, I, I just, I guess this is where gratitude comes from me. Like I grew up at a good time. Mm. It, it was just so organic. Yeah. Nothing was pushed. Mm -hmm. we, we just, we were led by the passion to just do it and yeah. work hard. We worked really hard. Mm -hmm. Like looking back on it, probably a lot of overtraining. Yeah. Like with our national team in Regina, we were training six to eight hours a day. Yeah, that's aggressive. It's aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of jumping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I have a really great souvenir. Like my left ankle <laughs> is shot. <laughs> I wouldn't trade anything yeah. for that career, but uh, the recovery wasn't part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, drink breaks were a privilege, mm -hmm. you know, um, but we were tough. Yeah. We were tough mm -hmm. and I think we're still tough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so grade 12, when you kind of decide that volleyball is going to be your, your thing, um, how do you get access to the Canadian teams? Like, how does that all work? Is there like, obviously your high school team and your high school season, then you get scouted to kind of start trying out for these different teams? Right. In those days, um, we we would play club volleyball and um, there were very few clubs. I was going to say, I don't... Yeah, club volleyball. So um, you had to win provincials. So your club team from the city of Calgary had to be the best in the province yep. to go to national championships. Mm. And... Um, there were identification camps, and there still are, yeah. at those same national championships. So you'd go there and there'd be 12 teams, and it was competitive. Now there's hundreds of teams. Mm -hmm. Everyone's daughter won the gold medal. Yeah. And it's great because it's a lot of participation, but it's really different now. And the talent gets spread out in the recruiting wars, and it's just a whole different can of worms yep. now. But it was a big deal. Um, some remarkable situations in grade 12. Like I had already been ID'd in the junior national program. Yep. So then we would get invited 
we we had our airfare paid to go try out. Like it was so different. Cool. Um, I was a carded athlete at 16, so I would get a monthly stipend mm. and I'm in high school. Like we were so fortunate. Mm. I, I just can't uh, expound upon that enough. But um, the, so the opportunities, we couldn't afford to go to nationals in grade 12, our club team won. And it was provincials, we were sitting on the ground. We already knew we, didn't, we couldn't afford to go to Quebec City. And one of my teammates' father walked up. We were literally on the floor in tears because we were good. Mm -hmm. We were good. And some of us had been together for four years. And this father walked up with his wife and he said, girls, we're paying for your trip to national championships. Like stuff like that. Wild. I mean, mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. And so they paid for everything. We stayed at the Chateau Frontenac, Quebec. Like what? <laughs> Crazy. Luck. Luck. How'd you do there? We did well. <laughs> <laughs> so you were good. <laughs> we were. We did well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, great leadership and yep. lots of buy-in mm -hmm. and support. Like, who does that? What was it about um, volleyball and that team aspect that you kind of like pulled you in? I never played volleyball, so my thing was hockey. So that's kind of my point of reference for team sport. But right. what was it about volleyball that really kind of that connected with you? Um, I think volleyball. It's a unique sport because you really can't do anything on your own. You, you can't, you can't dribble through everybody and shoot. You can't, I mean, I'm not saying you just take this puck and stick handle yep. and do it. Definitely there's a team aspect to all sports, but because you can't do anything on your own, it, it attracts a different mindset of an mm. athlete, I think. Like, mm. um, you, I don't know, you have to kind of put your ego aside yep. and it's very much, build each other up, make each other, give credit. Mm. You know, if someone makes a good pass and the setter gives you the ball and you put it away, yeah. the first thing you do is give it back to mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. players that made you, you know, you're the finisher, yeah. but it happens in the back row, etc. So mm. the culture of the sport really appealed to me. And to be honest with you, I wasn't that interested in, you know, fingernails and the yeah. eyeballs and yeah. I, I was tough. I, but I just was like, you know what, you can take out my knees and you can scratch my eyes. And then you can take the ball. But in volleyball, that net is like, yeah. sorry, I'm just going to try to pound this ball past you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then slap my setter's hand and thank my passer. So it's different. I just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so when you get to high school, obviously you're good, talented. The coach goes with you. Some teammates come with you. What happens during the high school years? What are you focused on? Well, I, um, I really love doing creative things as well mm. and at bishop carroll you could do so many options mm. so I, I i of course did all the hfr health fitness and recreation and i did all the options like uh, home ec and sewing and art and drama and music and all the sciences because yep. i wanted to go to university um i, I just i like to do it all yep did you have a plan did you know in you in high school that you said you wanted to go to university, so you had an idea what you wanted to do. Yeah. Did you understand where sport could take you, or did you have an idea where you wanted to go with it? Um, I don't think it was a real clearly laid out plan. Mm. Um, I know I, I, you know, my my mom's mom and my dad's dad were both artists. My mom is an interior designer. She wanted to send me to Parsons School of Design, mm. and I'm like, well. I got to play. I got to do my sports. I got to go sweat and jump and, and kick and scream mm -hmm. and do my thing, mm -hmm. right? So that at that point was not a, of interest to me. Yep. And um, because I was carded with Sport Canada, I could go to any university in Canada and have it fully paid for. 
any school. Oh, no way. Yeah. So the opportunity was, again, there. I was so fortunate, mm. but I chose to drive up Crowchild Trail and uh, be part of rebuilding a program here in Calgary. Mm. And I, I'm... I'm thrilled with that decision, mm -hmm. and, and we did turn the program around, and I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you're, as a carded, a carded athlete, is there, like, did Calgary come talk to you about, like, we have a spot for you, or, like, you can, this, yeah. this is what the next four years look like if you show up, this is our idea, and then? Yeah, well, my junior national team coach was transitioning from coaching only the men at UFC to coaching the men and the women, mm. and I was being heavily recruited. Mm. There was a whole crop of young athletes being recruited and some others from the junior national team mm. that were coming to turn a program around. Mm. I don't think they won a match in Canada West the year before. Oh, no way they were that. Yeah, mm. well, they were struggling. So there was an opportunity there to come in and, and really build a program from yep. the ground up. Yeah. Um, did you know what you wanted to take in university in high school? Like when your mom's talking, you know, you got this yeah. creative background and she's yeah. suggesting you try this. Did you have did you have other ideas of what you wanted to do? Um, no, but I just really thought I should do in those days physical education, kinesiology, yeah. Yeah. because that was just more fun, right? Go and do all these activities mm -hmm. and learn the science mm -hmm. and learn more of the science of the human body yeah. and human performance and like really primitive mental mental training, mm -hmm. like. It was just all starting the science behind it. Did and you did you like that part of it? And I, were you smart enough to actually um, understand the sciences and do well at them? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. And mm. again, there we had like some world class sports scientists really working with our university team. Like we were already a training hub for a lot of Olympic athletes in Calgary, mm. and behind that were the sports scientists, and we were. I were, we were guinea pigs mm. as a university team. We already had, you know, Dr. David Smith. We called him Dr. Death. He was working with the men's national volleyball team at the time. And he was working with the women's Dinny volleyball team. Mm. Like he, he was already looking at the whole, the whole body and, and how to, you know, do specific things. What did the sport require? Mm. How to get faster twitch and jump higher and prevent injury. Right. And this was kind of early days sports science? Early days. Mm. I think er, early days in Canada. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like, what are they doing over there in Eastern Europe? Mm -hmm. Well, we weren't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it was, I, in my memory, it was early days. Yep. And it's come so far since then. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens while you're at university? Where's your sport-wise and school-wise? And obviously you met your husband, so it seems like it was a time for you. Yeah, um, we, well, I mean, I'm not trying to say the University of Calgary athletic program isn't what it was, but it was pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. A lot of Olympic athletes doing what I was doing at the same time, mm -hmm. um, coming through the program, a lot of swimmers, basketball players, volleyball players, like we were surrounded by really high achievers. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a good place to be. And in the summers, I would go and train full time with the national team. Or it was it was then year round training. Don't get me wrong; <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was year round training. Yeah. But it was just a, such a culture of excellence. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know. I, I what does that do when you're surrounded by that that kind of greatness all the time? What does it do to you? Well, it. it 
I don't, I wouldn't say I was competing against them. I think we were all just trying to lift each other up. Yeah. You'd be in the weight room and, you know, someone just returned from, the, you know, world championships with a gold medal from swimming. And you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I better give myself a mm -hmm. kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. So it was really a hotbed of elite athletes, Calgary. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we hosted the Olympics in 88 and we got the venues and it was such a can-do spirit and I, I never doubted it. Mm. And I felt really valued. I felt really valued for what my, my gifts were and um, the, the coaching and the players I got to play with. I think we could, we could say we were all unique pieces of a puzzle yeah. and really allowed to build and grow upon our special gifts. Mm -hmm. What happened at the program over your time there? Did you turn it around? Yeah, pretty so, fast. So what happened? <laughs> pretty fast. Well, um, I think we quickly won Canada West, and I think we won four years in a row, and we were in national finals three years in a row. Mm -hmm. um, between my fourth and fifth year, I got an opportunity to go and play first division in Italy, which there'd only been one Canadian woman go over there. Mm -hmm. And... and it was just like an opportunity and a good time. So we left. My fiance at the time took a sabbatical and we went to Europe and did that year in Italy mm -hmm. and had our eyeballs opened and it was amazing. So you take a year off from school? Yeah, I had graduated in Canice oh, okay. Okay. and I, I came back and started environmental design to play oh. my fifth year. Mm -hmm. But we took that year out mm -hmm. and, uh, and came back. We did not win the national championship. We lost in the finals. And that was always like, you know, next year, next year, next mm -hmm. year, we're going to, we're going to, you know, win this championship. And um, unfortunately, as a player, I never won a national championship. Mm -hmm. I was an all Canadian many times. Mm -hmm. I was a Canada West first team all-star, but we didn't do it as a mm -hmm. team. So that was kind of unfortunate, yeah. but you, you, you know, I don't think about that. Mm -hmm. The friends, I, I was up until last year, still playing with a lot of these women. Yeah. And so the the passion was there, and it was, hmm. it was good old days. I can't, yeah, <laughs> it sounds just like this like ball of energy of like high performance, just yeah, in an amazing environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so going to play pro overseas. Yeah, the only female to ever, the first female Se to ever, second Canadian, second Canadian. Ever. Yeah. So what does that even? Was that even? Um, in your head as a potential opportunity as you're kind of coming through university or is it kind of out of the blue? That well, it was found? kind of a dream, right? Mm. Especially Italy, because they were really good. And we met the um, national coach and the team in Edmonton at the World Student Games. Yeah, or what's it called? Commonwealth, World Students, I think, World mm. Student Games. And he was talking to Brad, my husband, and said, you know, we're looking for a foreigner. And in those days, they were allowed one. Mm. So it was actually like, what? you're going to take us. And Brad was going to go and coach with the Italian national coach. And I was going to be the foreigner. Mm. I don't think I really knew like what that was going to be like, but we just said, yes, mm. you figure it out. Right. Had you traveled before? It was like, well, lots. Yeah. yeah okay. Because we were all over the world yep. training. It was a lot of, um, no disrespect, airports, yep. hotels, mm -hmm. buses, gyms, mm -hmm. buses, hotels, gyms, buses, gyms, buses, <laughs> hotels, airports. Um, and then sometimes on days off, we'd get to go and do something else. But yeah. uh, we traveled a lot mm. and there was a lot of money. Mm. We traveled all over the world. Like, I think we've been to 50 countries wow. at such a young age. Mm -hmm. 
with your best friends doing <laughs> the most <laughs> fabulous thing on the planet for someone who loves to play volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't get any better. No. It was fun. So what happened in Italy? Good experience? So we, yeah. It, well, it was interesting. Like, um, the culture is so fantastic. Mm. But there's an adjustment, right? I'm... I, my son called me militaristic. So you get over there and it's like, so where's so-and-so? When does practice start? Like they'd come walking in and I was the foreigner. I had to be there an hour ahead of time. I had to be ready and be like, where's the setter? Where's Irene? Oh, she's on her way, you know? So they're so laid back mm -hmm. and they're so into people. But when that whistle blew, I'll tell ya, they knew, mm -hmm. they knew how to play. I think they knew how to compete and maybe a generalized statement as Canadians, we really knew how to practice. Yep. <laughs> and then we get on the world stage and we, we didn't maybe bring it on the stage as much as we did in the training grounds, but the Ita Italians, wow, like fierce competitors, mm. but kind of haphazard preparation <laughs> was my experience. <laughs> yeah. But like we learned so many life skills there and we kept saying, you know, we got to remember to experience life, mm. not just exist. In Canada, we got to work hard and try to get ahead. And Italians are like, wait a minute, come, let's have a coffee, slow <laughs> down, you know? Not not on the sport court, but yeah. in life. Mm -hmm. A lot of time for people and fabulous. The exposure to pro sport, did that fuel you? Did that like, did that year tempt you into or open your eyes to what's possible in sport? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was really different. Like, um, it's a bit harsh. Like, I came from this beautifully coddled, you know, you are our leader, mm -hmm. you're our shining star, mm -hmm. to you're the foreigner. This team wins or this team loses, it's on your back. Mm. And I'd be like, what, but, but, what? It's volleyball. Mm -hmm. Like, I need, I need all this around me. So, um, I had to get pretty tough. Mm. Like the newspapers were harsh. No way. If we lost, it was my fault. And um, if we won, it was all me. So it was really bizarre. Mm. Fortunately, when I arrived, I couldn't really read or talk or understand <laughs> it. But we learned, we learned pretty quickly. I remember waking up one morning and I actually dreamt in Italian. It was so no way. awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not a foreigner anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. Our team was average. We yeah. stayed in first division. Um, they're very superstitious. Um, like we go to venues where the team hadn't beaten this particular team in maybe four years. And before we got out of the bus, they were talking about how we're never going to win. So that was really different for me. Mm. Just, but like I was, I was like their guest. Yeah. I was just trying to, play my best and yep. and I couldn't change that. Mm -hmm. The superstition part, I, it's, it's just like wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens if you play there for a year and then decide to come back or just that you just want to do something different? Like what was the Well, I always went with just one year in mind. Mm -hmm. um, Brad had a one year sabbatical and I wanted to go back and play my fifth year with my teammates that were still in the program. Yep. And it wasn't, I never really thought of it as an option to stay more than one year. Mm. You know, sometimes when an experience is that phenomenal, it's okay to let it go. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to school and I went back and did, started interred, um, environmental design. I don't really love the direction of the program I chose. So when I finished that year and wrapped up my volleyball playing career, I went full time with the national team program mm. and we were trying to qualify. 
So For the Olympics. Yeah. So what happened? I was playing pro in 83, 84. We didn't qualify. So I left. And in those days, if you turned pro, the Canada view of it was, sorry, you went to do that. So we're not having you back. Hmm. And so I didn't get the opportunity to play in Los Angeles when Cuba boycotted. Canada got in the back door for mm. women's volleyball. Mm. And um, so, so be it, you know. So another player was playing in another country and she tried to sue the Canadian Volleyball Association all that, like whatever, <laughs> yeah. in those days. Yep. Now every single player in the Olympics is playing pro somewhere in the world or yep. they're not there. Mm -hmm. It was just unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't qualify for 88. Um, we were, I had a, a baby by then in 1987 and we were at the last chance qualifier, you know, with baby in hand and um, that didn't work out. But I have to say I was, um, my Olympic dream was delayed and not denied mm. because uh, come full circle in 2012, my husband and I were there as technical officials. And you know what, Amazing. when you're on a team sport, if you don't qualify, you, you, you don't get that. Mm -hmm. So we did it in a really roundabout way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was his plan. I'm like, oh, there's no way. We're never, <laughs> we're never gonna get picked. And, and we did, mm -hmm. and again, just really fortunate. And it was phenomenal. The um, motherhood yeah. and playing at a high level of sport. Yeah. Like I, I find it fascinating, like just to be able to do both. Yeah. It, was it, back then, was it, did it happen often? Was it, was it rare that you were achieving greatness in sport and being a mom? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, um, I never thought about it. It was just like, I guess I was just, I don't. I hope I was never arrogant. Yeah. I was confident. It was just what I did. Like I didn't. Ex I had no explanation for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember, you know, playing and coming off and nursing the baby and completely sweaty and giving the baby to the trainer and going back on the court and no it was just what we did mm -hmm. and uh, a women's team. So w when the boys got a little bit older and I was coaching, like it was. I. I mean. It was just so natural. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a female athlete and and leader in sport, and there's these babies, and the babies are in the gym, and the girls are trying to reach their potential, and I'm coaching them, and I never gave it much thought. Yep. But it really wasn't very common. Mm -hmm. Like it was kind of frowned upon, like <laughs> babies crawling out from under the bleachers <laughs> in a Canada West match, you know, like, what are you doing? It, it was okay, yeah. Very different. Yeah, very different. But uh, so natural. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think I think people don't see it. They don't think about it. You know, they forget that that's part of life too. And yeah. And then they expect this like high performance side to just be like all encompassing. Yeah. Um, So after your fifth year, where do you get going? Where do you... Well, I moved back. I actually was born in Regina and the team was training full time in Regina. Mm. So I was there for three years and, um, <laughs> like playing was, world cup, like kind of world cup. Yeah. We're doing, yeah, we're, we're playing world, world, uh, championships, yep. um, North Sika zone championships, we, mm. depending the quadrennial, the big thing is to qualify for the Olympics. Yep. Unfortunately we didn't, but there's all kinds of tournaments mm -hmm. and training. And, and this is like full, it's like a full-time job. It's a full-time job, Okay, but I had graduated at least I yep. had my undergrad. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I had a lot of time to do creative things and make things and build things and just to keep my the other side of my brain going. Yep. Um, we gave up a lot. And uh, I started to question if volleyball was the right choice in those days. Mm-hmm. And um, What did you I give up? I gave up track, right? Yeah. Because I hadn't qualified with my team. Right. And I was pretty competitive. Mm. And I remember a few situations, and I'm not trying to rat out my teammates. I love them all, but we didn't we didn't meet a goal, and we just lost this crossover match at a big world championships. Our goal was to finish in the top eight or something, and this yep. match knocked us out of that. And uh, like literally seven minutes after we enter the dressing room and trying to wrap this up, like this was a 15 month plan. Mm-hmm. Somebody wanted to go to the flea market. And like, if I could have, I probably would have. <laughs> Dropped like, him. <laughs> oh, I was like. Bubbling. When you go to the market, <laughs> you don't hurt at all. Like, how do you not hurt? Mm. Like, like it's not win at all costs, but l- look what we've yep. put aside to do this. Mm-hmm. And so then I wondered, like, am I not surrounded by enough people that are just so driven? And yep. And I was. There were lots of us. But. Like we hadn't had success on the world stage. We sat around 11, 12. Yep. We need to be top eight in certain ways to make the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard. We, I mean, we did the best we could, but yep. for it just to be okay. And then I thought, what if I, what if I just stayed in track and I could just train harder and do it by myself? Control all the variables. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have made it either, but <laughs> I wondered for a brief afternoon yeah. when it was about the flea market. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I love those players. I think I am who I am because of all the people that surrounded and lifted me and supported me and likewise. So yeah. it's just a little bit of a question. <laughs> well, and you said it earlier too, just about not like when you don't, you didn't win the, the national championships at university. Like there's just this yeah thing that's following you around that just, yeah. To the very end, can you yeah. get? Yeah. Well, we, I, I, um, when I finished playing and was back in Calgary, I did start coaching mm. and we did win. So you got it. So you we, got that. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> got to check these things off. Like you can just do them in different ways. <laughs> what is it? Not never or not? <laughs> totally. So you played three years on that, on the national team? I was in the program over the course of 11 years. Okay. So it's like coming and going. Yeah. Here and there, depended if it was year-round, if yep. it was seasonal or summer, mm-hmm. and just kind of, then it ran its course, yep. and I wanted to start our family. My husband's older. It was just like, okay, enough mm-hmm. of that. Yep. But still went back and played more pro mm. with now babies in tow, back to Switzerland. And How old so, are you when you, went, when you went to play in Switzerland? Uh, 30, okay. 31. So you, like, played the national team for all these years. Then you go play. So what does the pro world look like? How long did you okay, play pro? Okay, so we picked Switzerland because, you know, we had these kids and it was more about lifestyle. Mm. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't so intense. The league wasn't as good, mm. but it was still an experience. It was about the lifestyle of, you know, our sport giving us something at that point yep. for the family to live in Europe. And mm-hmm. we were in the French speaking part of Switzerland in Neuchatel and uh, the volleyball was maybe... Um, a step above our really competitive club team that I was playing with in Calgary, yep. which was all former national team players. It was 
<laughs> you know, maybe not even that good actually when I think about it, but mm. it was it was the right fit at the time. Yep. Yeah, and it was an exceptional time. Mm. It, there's a season for everything, right? Totally. Yeah. How how long were you overseas then? How long Again, you... another year. Okay. We did a year there yeah. and then came back and I got more into coaching and kind of stopped playing busy. Now two kids and yeah. and starting school and yeah, it was, we coached a lot of club volleyball mm. and sport was still a big part of our lives. So when you knew you're done playing, was it a, an e I don't want to use the word easy. Did you just know it was the right time? Family? You just knew that your energy wasn't there to do it anymore? Like, what did that yeah. decision look like? Yeah, I, it wasn't hard. Like, it, wasn't hard. You were... it wasn't hard to stop competing at that level. And I said, oh, I'm never going to play club. It was just like, you're going to do it at that level or not at all. But, you know, five, six years later, we're like, oh, we should put a team in the Talisman League or, you know. Oh, you guys did? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And, and we, were, we, we had an opportunity to compete as masters. And we'd go down to the States mm. for quite a few years. Yeah, and do well? Yeah, we did well. Mm -hmm. And we went to World Masters Championships and won gold medals. Like, finally, could beat the Russians. Like, what the heck? We maybe aged a little better. Um, yeah, we were good on that stage. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. It's amazing. Yeah. And, like, I stopped playing last year just because I can't have any more ankle trauma. Mm. It's, there comes a time when volleyball, the yeah. sport of volleyball is like, we were trying to stay in, you know, top tiers. And yeah. it's fast. Like, the girls are fast. The setters are fast. And... Mm -hmm. There's feet on the other side of that line, and it was time. It hurts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so what does it look like when you're kind of winding it all, the playing career down? Where does the coaching, where does that fit in? Where does the schooling fit in? Like, how do they all start happening? Uh, well, the coaching thing was really natural because um, originally my husband was still coaching at the UFC, and so, like, the whole family just went along. We traveled Canada West, went to tournaments and it, it just, that ran its course too, because you can't be taking your kids out of school every Friday. Yeah. So, but we had a club, we had the, a feeder system for the UFC Dinos. So we stayed coaching in that mm -hmm. and um, giving back, right? Like all the people that, you know, trained me and supported me mm -hmm. and try to do the same for some other kids. Mm -hmm. And it, it was good. It was really fun. And natural, like, did you did you always know coaching was going to be a thing for you? I did not know it mm. was, but I think it was pretty natural. Mm. Yeah, I was a, again, really kind of in the weeds person, like yeah. details. Mm -hmm. And so I think my strength as a coach was really the technical error detection and correction. Mm. Like as an athlete, I could feel it. And then to help athletes feel it and fix themselves so that you're not over coaching them, mm. but the root of the problem, mm. you know, not like don't miss your serve. Oh, actually, Thanks, teach coach. Them. <laughs> so all you hear is miss your serve. <laughs> so I think that was my strength. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's really fun. Um, the school piece, where did it, what'd like, you do? So you finished your five years and then you, did you pick up something later? Um, so what I did was um, throughout all of that and babies, and I remember getting identified um, through Sport Canada, women in sport leadership. And I had given birth, and four days later, I was flying to Ottawa with my newborn <laughs> and to be interviewed for this program, uh, like an apprenticeship salaried position to be trained by some really good multi-sport, different sports, different modules. Yep. 
to get women in sport leadership. So I got in that program, I, I think it was four years. So I had funding and, mm. and it was phenomenal. It was good. I, I, it was just all happening. I, I, I think, like you asked me if I had this plan. I mm. just, I said yes. Mm. I don't really know. I, but I didn't really want to take on a head coaching position at a university. Yep. I I still had this other maker creator side. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't want to be just into sport. Yep. And so that other side started pulling me. I think as creatives, like I don't know. I I wasn't bored in sport leadership, but mm. there's a lot of what ifs. What if I had time yep. to do this? Yep. So I was um, working actually, oh my, the time frame is, I'm so sorry. I'm all over the map. It, it, it doesn't matter. From high school graduation to working in interior design, maybe like 10 or 12 years later. Yep. And um, I never finished environmental design because I went back to play pro. And then I just went, I don't know if I want to be an architect I, I just like, yep. I want to be a little bit of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't go and do the formal training and mm. started to, to do interior design. And I was doing that for 27 years. <laughs> but I was always painting and making and creating yep. and building and repurposing and, yep. and, and running and jumping and sweating and spitting. <laughs> and All of it. <laughs> full on. So what's the program out East? What, what is that? What was that for your program? That leadership one? Well, Sport Canada had funding to identify some, you know, young women who wanted to get into sport leadership. And mm. so they would um, rally around us. I think there was four or five of us in the program per quadrennial, um, maybe more. Yep. I'm not sure of the intake, yep. but we just got exposed to some incredible things. Like mm. they have conferences and, and they'd bring in, you know, not only Canadian, but also visiting coaches and yep. talking about all different, you know, principles. And so mm. we were just exposed to a higher level of education, but mm. not through a university setting. Gotcha. It would be like a master's in coaching mm. now. Mm. That program ran out of money, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, so the interior design piece. So let's get into this like creative zone. Yeah. Interior design, you just kind of picked it up as a a natural thing? Well, my mom started her own business like mm. way in the early 70s. Like she had a home-based business. Mm. She she was motivated. My parents didn't have a lot of money. And uh, my mom took a online course through an American school. And there wasn't a lot of formal programs. Like you could go to Winnipeg. She couldn't do that. She had four kids. Yep. Um, Mount Royal hadn't started their program, their diploma program to begin with. Yep. So she got educated and she started shadowing designers and she got word of mouth referrals and she started to, she was, she's, she's still alive. She's just that, I mean, she's just a source of inspiration from that standpoint mm. and not a jock, mm. but such an influence for me. Mm. And uh, she just sees things differently and can turn, you know, yeah. garbage into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. So she was my inspiration. Mm -hmm. And she really liked to do the uh, the beautification at the end. She loved to do the fabrics and the pillows and the, the gorgeous, more decorating stuff. And I really liked to, you know, <laughs> the details. I like to do the drawings and do mm -hmm. the renderings and the elevations. So we worked together mm -hmm. and we did a lot of renovations and she did some commercial work and mm -hmm. it was it was really lovely. And we have a great relationship, so. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, sounds like 
Yeah, stuff just happened. I mm. don't know. I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so the interior stuff, scratching that creative itch, was it was it necessary once you figured out that you had that creative side you needed to to uh, to give it some energy? Was it a natural thing? You know, it was, but I was still, you know, hauling kids to gyms and coaching elite volleyball and coaching kids in sport. And I really felt it was a privileged thing to do. But to be honest with you, I'm like, you know, this is creative 10% of the time. And it's 90% project management. Mm. I want to create. I want to I flip that. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be creative more of the time. And to be honest with you, fortunately, I didn't have to you know, feed my kids. Yep. Brad had a good salary. And so I, hey, interesting. After the Olympics in London, I had wrapped up my desire to have, be a career interior designer anymore. And my exit plan was, I'm going to start painting. I hadn't really painted. In university, I did. I specialized in art, more printmaking. And mm -hmm. I took all options in, had a minor in fine art. Yeah. And I just like, I just need to be creative more of the time. So let's just... Again, let's just dive in. Say yes, let's mm. do this. It was the best thing. It was just the best thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you say you say two things that will catch my attention. Obviously, the, the Olympic story is is fascinating to me just because it's the Olympics, the highest pinnacle of sport. That's obviously very interesting to me. But the idea of painting at yeah. later in life and just yeah. going all in. Yeah, you you know, I when I started painting, I. I had a pretty good idea of what people wanted to look at because mm. I, you know, I made their spaces for right. them beautiful. I was a good listener. Mm. I was a really good listener. Mm. And I try to create something unique for them. So two years into painting, I'm painting these images that people, I thought, they might want to look at. And then I remember selling my first painting. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> seriously? You're buying this? For I don't even much? know how to... I, what do you want to pay? Like, you give me 500? Yeah, yeah, no, they paid a lot. Awesome. Because they, you know, I had worked with them and they, I don't know, they, again... Was it I, a big piece? It was a big piece, mm, yeah. Like how big? Like three by four feet. Okay. And this was, she saw me working on it in my studio. I had a studio attached to my home. And she's like, I want to buy it. And I'm like, what? She goes, I look through the window. And I'm like, my paintings aren't even for sale. So just again, yeah. really lucky. But I looked at that probably my third year of painting full time. And I painted every day. It's like, you know, jock, you got to go hard. You <laughs> commit, you mm -hmm. got to work at this. Yep. The answer is in the doing. You got to do it. You got to mm -hmm. figure it out. I thought, those paintings aren't my paintings. They're not... They're not coming from the right place. Mm. So then I just really just tried to, I mean, it sounds, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I just really let the paintings flow out of me mm -hmm. and they got pretty bombastic and pretty colorful and pretty wild. And then the reception was decent, you know? I, I thought I was just protecting the canvas from the elements, mm -hmm. but people, saw that as more authentic mm. and more original. And I was lucky to kind of have a visual la language yep. quickly it's in my painting career. Quickly is rare, right? Quickly is rare, but I just went, whatever, like mm. just, I don't know, maybe as an athlete, it's like, well, just live boldly, yep. just do it. And and again, I didn't, I didn't need the reception of others to be there. Yep. I, I needed to do it from my soul mm. and it, it came from a good place. Mm. and. 
it was it was more than enough. Mm. And it was never about the reception of others, but yeah. it, it felt really authentic. The the tie to sport and art, whether yeah. it's like I don't know, like you said, the work ethic to actually put the work and time in to figure it out, to be um, thoughtful enough to like sit with your thoughts and actually figure out that this, you know, this style isn't mine. I need to figure out my own style, like dedication, high performance, like it's all wrapped together. Well, I think there's some um, persistence, <laughs> a resilience, mm -hmm. like in sport, you fail a lot. Yeah. Like you're working on a painting and you're like, centimeters from absolute destruction like mm -hmm. this is just going off the rails mm -hmm. <laughs> like but to kind of get back in the saddle yep. and to figure it out yep. i don't paint literally so i'm not like trying to create that yeah i don't take a photograph and think okay i just need to make it look like that um i have to just kind of be in my head and i put paint down and then i react to the paint put more paint and Oh shoot, where am I going? So I never really knew where I was going, but I knew when I got there. Mm. And then when I finish and sign it, that's it. Mm. I don't typically go back into paintings. Mm. But um, you know, painting and sport, I I know it's odd, but uh like my sport, there is a lot of very much discipline. You can't be out there freelancing. Yeah. It's not like, you know, give me the ball. I think I'm going to be over here. Mm -hmm. Very disciplined in structure yeah. and uh, the team, where you go and what you do and what you cover. Mm -hmm. Like there's not, I mean, there's creativity in that, but n not that much. Yeah. So maybe it was more of an opposite, you know, this, the structure of the team sport at the time that I played and the discipline required to do your job and make others look better yep. by staying in your place and mm -hmm. covering your area and building everyone up and then sport and then sorry painting was it's very soulful yeah. and very quiet and uh at sport I think I was an extrovert I was a you know quite a leader mm -hmm. and painting is very quiet and very soulful mm -hmm. and it's quite an, a contrast do you I find that fascinating just that just that soulful, that soulful experience through something creative. Yeah, I find it very rare. And I, and when everything kind of gets quiet, and you can do this creative, you can have this creative outlet. It's it's special. I, I had that with playing music. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. I was DJ, and it was just this like, yeah, just everything just kind of, especially it was loud, but it was just still very creative and very just like it was all in your head. And it was between these headphones, and it was just yeah, it's way different than sport. Yeah, um, it, it might be a good time to segue into like painting kind of and sport saved me too. Mm. We had some terrible tragedy. Mm. Um, beginning 10 years ago, my nephew, who was a professional motorcycle racer, died on the track oh. in the national championships on a, I think a big triumph. He mm. was a speed bike. Oh yeah. Yeah, big like just devastating mm. my my brother's only son he has a daughter as well and then three years after that our son so my husband had four children and then we had two children so our first son brett is over in barcelona with his wife um he was a orthopedic surgeon resident yep. he's out running i get a phone call from his wife's dad in calgary telling me that Brett had passed away, our son. And 
Well, we talked to him that morning, and he said, Mom, you'll be so happy. The um, most dangerous part of the trip is over. We returned the rental car, because we lived in Europe. We know how they mm. drive. Mm. And uh, just like the devastation around that. And then not to jump past that, because I'm going to come back to that. That was you know, my okay. child. Mm -hmm. My stepson passes away four years ago. So we have been tested. Mm. And, um, you know, right away when we got the news of Brett, like healthy, active athlete, doctor, genius, yeah. life of the party, crazy fun guy, that guy just collapses jogging. Mm. Like, such a mystery, mm. such a mystery. But, um, you know, the tie into sport and creating and, and have, how we've been able to weather that, yeah. like we look back on it and sport is so artificial. Like, you know, I talked for a half an hour on how it just like fuels you and inspires you. And you know, the whistle blows and the score comes one way or the other. And it's, it's all really irrelevant. Yeah. Like in the big scheme yeah. of things, it's really irrelevant. Mm -hmm. But you go every day, you control the controllable and you try to do your best. Mm -hmm. And the outcome in sport is this or that. It teaches you these things. It teaches you failure and getting back up and resiliency and building people. And I'm thinking, how did sport and creating help us weather this storm that we're in? Like you don't, grief doesn't no. disappear, but it has the grief and the despair of all the trauma has really not been a blessing because no, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but yeah. has changed us, mm. you know, and it's um, to say, you don't know, you don't know where the finish line is, so you better live well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, that is so true. And um, just if you find that you have this despair and this pain, then you also have this opportunity for this joy and passion and mm -hmm. compassion and, mm -hmm the blue sky today, even if it's minus 40. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how we live. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how can I be grateful for these traumas? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I miss him every second of every day. But our lives have expanded. Mm. Well, so it's, it's fascinating you say that right now, because when I first met you outside, you talked about the blue skies. Oh. And I was, <laughs> and, and I was like. Didn't notice. <laughs> well, I was like, you know, I, I appreciate when people are very, like when they're positive, you know, yeah. you could easily walked up back there and said, man, it's cold. This is, yeah. this is, this was hard to get to, or this is whatever. Right. But yeah. you were talking about the blue skies, yeah, which I find it speaks to exactly what you're, what yeah. you're talking about. None of those boys would want us to give up the life we have for those that we lost. Mm. Like that's a lot of loss. It's, that's a lot of loss. It's out of order, but you also become acutely aware of the impermanence of everything. Mm. And like, really, who has anything figured out? Yeah. But somehow you do, you do like, and I think our life prepared us to figure out how to mm. trudge through this. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't wanna get rid of my grief because that's, we don't have new memories. We don't yeah. have new stories. So. The, the, you know, to bring up the names of these boys and our son, and it's just what could have been. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, what what could we be doing now? What mm -hmm. would he be doing now? Mm -hmm. What would 
his family look like, etc. Mm-hmm. Or what would you know any of these boys be doing? Yeah. So, but how do you yeah. how do you how do you summon the courage to move forward? Well, again, like I, I don't, I don't, I think it's um, life is pretty good, you know. None these boys all died unexpectedly, mm-hmm. living their lives mm-hmm. and crazy so much in one family, but um, like you have an opportunity, make the most of it. That's yeah. how we've lived. That's how I've lived. Do this, do that, whatever. Okay, figure it out. Say yes show up, do your best. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of living to do. Like, yep. I don't, it becomes profoundly obvious that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know. Are we going to get home tonight? So we better make the most of this. And I'm loving this, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is special for me to be here with you. Do you, um, how does it affect your art? Is it like, is it when you're, when it's all like, it's you mm-hmm. in a space and it's like, you know, it's, it's everything in your head. Yeah. You know, it's, it's coming out and there's all sorts of inputs coming. What is that space? Is that space a sanctuary for you? Is it like a, is it cathartic? Is it like, how do you, how important has art been through all this? Absolutely. All of those things. Like, um, so our son, Brett passed away in September, 2016. And I always had a solo, a big solo show in November. And then I said to his widow, Jessica, how am I going to do this show? Like most of the work was done. Like mm. I, I paint for a year and probably do 40 or 50 pieces. Wow. And then we literally open our home for a weekend mm. and we take furniture out and hang the art. How am I going to, like, I need to be starting that. Like, how am I going to pull this off? I had all printed all my cards and yep. started my mailing. And and she just looked at me and like straight face said, why wouldn't you do this? What would Brett want you to do? Mm. And I thought, how am I going to do it? But it, it was really good advice. And mm. so, you know, flung open the doors. People don't, they come in, they don't know what to say. We had an amazing community around us and we quickly were very open and honest about our grief. Yeah. Um, my husband and I never judged how each of us would manage this. Yeah. Like he went right back to teaching. He needed to be with the students. Yeah. I got on the plane and went to Barcelona because mm. I needed to be there. Yeah. Um, all these things just happened. It was very organic. And um, you know, like six weeks later, we have 185 people through our home celebrating my art, mm. most of it made before this happened. Mm. And like, wow, to be surrounded by that love and that you know genuine care of our community. Our community was so much bigger than we thought. Mm. Like when you have a trauma like that, yeah. they just show up mm. and you're like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea we mattered and we mattered so much and mm. they lifted us and they l- listened and they let us talk. I, I have a morning walking routine and my girlfriends, I got back from Barcelona next morning, I'm out there in the dark in Glimmer Park and I'm just like talking the whole time. It mm. was uh, a way for us to process, yeah. like we were in shock, but they, did, they didn't interrupt, they just let me talk mm. and try to process all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it comes and goes. Yeah, does your, um after you had that, the the open house in November, the next the next body of work. Well, did it some change? of some of the biggest stuff I've ever done, like 
I saw a sign, you know, apply for this public art and this public grant and this and that. And it was just like, you got to kind of just, I don't think we put our head down and just like denied our grief and thought, we'll just keep working. I mean, some people do that. Yep. I don't think we did. I think we were a little more mindful of it, but I, I just said, well, again, say yes, do that, apply. Mm. And then I got these, some big grants to do some pretty cool stuff. And for sure it was a distraction. Yeah. You know, did the work change? Some of it did. Mm. Like I might do a smaller series of it. And yep. it's funny because <laughs> I, I actually would sell paintings and I had to phone people and say, I can't, I can't part with that painting. And I can't explain it because I never felt that attached. Mm. Is attached to the process, not the end result. Yeah. But there's two paintings, and I had to unsell them. Mm. Like, I said, I can't, and they were like, no problem. They they knew what we've been through, and they're like, we it's fine, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like a year later, on this one piece, I got a call from uh, someone who I really respected, and again played volleyball with, and she was going through a cancer nightmare, and her husband said, do you still have this piece? She saw it at your open house. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not for sale. I already unsold it from these other people. And I said, I do. And yes, it's for sale. Mm. So it found the right home. And the last mm. remaining piece from that body of work is a big piece. And I think it's the only piece I won't part with. Seriously. And and was it was it something else? Yeah, it was. I don't even know what it was, but I look at it and I go, mm, feel wow, it. I was mad, like mm. not mad, mad angry but it's crazy there's so much going on in this painting and mm. i think that was just sort of our mindset mm. without asking we never asked why why us why our sons why yeah. our nephew it was just somehow manage it mm. deal with it mm. that um saying yes and applying for grants and like was it was you were you apprehensive because you thought it was in the past it was like out of your skill set how do you just like it's just you didn't feel comfortable reaching that far like was there a reason there was like this you could see to a certain point but you weren't willing to go um yeah probably some truth in that um i don't think it was about was my work okay to apply it was more like it's pretty unique mm. like it's kind of out there it doesn't mm. look like all the other stuff yep. does it need to be more literal or mainstream or um intimidating not not really just like whatever yeah. in sport you go you try you fail you serve you harder you hit harder <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just recalibrate yeah. you learn to recalibrate yeah. um and uh, i was like well they can say no mm. i remember applying for um a juried show and like i had so much respect for a member of this committee that refused my piece and called and went over this piece like they really knew this piece of art they were like we had a real problem with the square shape on the right ascending border and like we need could you explain why you thought to put that there and i was like no <laughs> i actually can't like then i was like belligerent i'm like no i'm it's okay you didn't like my painting mm. i don't mind but no I, I actually i can't explain why it's there it's so profoundly right there, but yeah. I couldn't verbalize why mm. it needed to be there. But it, it's kind of how I am with my art. Like, mm. it's fine. You don't have to like it, yep. but I have to be true to it. So I mean, maybe that confidence from sport. For sure. And I didn't need to be in that show. And then mm. the next day I got, 
accepted into something one way bigger with some artists that I was just like almost stalking so mm. crazy about them. And I'm like, how am I in this show with mm. these artists? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, I'm not really pushing my art right now. Yeah. So I'm a bit languishing with the marketing of it, oh, yeah. not in the production mm. of it. I think it's just not the right time for me mm. to be working on the business of art. I, I talk about the business of interior design and not right now. I think I'm just kind of in the between. Mm. I'm creating, I'm doing some stuff, but I'm not applying. I'm not, it's just. Which is okay, right? It's like, so okay. The, the creative, it's, like the creative world is such this like, like this, this whole thing, right? Like it's yeah. just, it ebbs and flows, right? Some days you wake up and you're like, okay, I got this. And other days you're like, man, this is, this is going to take everything I have to pull this off. But I think just to be able to sit with it yeah, and understand that now's not the time. Yeah. Know that it's not gone. It's just no. not the time. And you know what? These pieces don't have an expiry date. Yeah. It's not milk. Yeah. It's there. Mm -hmm. It's It's got to be there. And um, I'm involved with my parents live next door. They're 90 and 93. And it's so profound gift yeah. to have oh. whatever. Yeah, I'm coming. A lot of technology. Like mm -hmm. the iPad isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like whatever. For the buttons. Like, <laughs> you know, the back arrow. Back arrow. I love them so much. They've given me so much. And this is a gift yeah. to be present for that for like sure. i'd go to my i have a studio i'm so lucky again i have a studio a block away free fortunately you know my brother has a home and it's a garage and he didn't need it and awesome. I, I i get there i put all the paint out and then i get a phone call and then i'm like ah oh, because i don't really know where i'm going mm -hmm. with this art but i kind of know and now i'm doing something else so i'm hesitant to get into yep. that i'm just really i go you know, maybe two or three days yep. instead of every day. Yep. And often it gets disrupted and it's like, whatever, it's just paint. It's just drying on the palette. And then I go back the next day. I'm like, where am I going with mm -hmm. this artwork? Well, it's a new day. Yep. Go somewhere else. Did you, um, did you paint the mural um, over in Lakeview on that community center? That, yeah. That great community center? Yeah. So I ride by that thing every, oh. like, Three or four days a week. On, oh, wow. On my pedal bike. It's just part of my loop. And I literally, I come around there and go by the pathway by the, like, the little kids thing. And yeah. I, I see that mural. Yeah. Oh, over yeah. Over and over and over. That was one of those, you know, like, apply for this, this is my neighborhood grant. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm in the, like, the real, I'm in shock. I'm in, like, I'm angry. Our son died. Mm -hmm. And there's this big thing about like, this is my neighborhood. Well, it's my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You bet it's my neighborhood. I've lived here, well, by then like 50 years, mm -hmm. but I don't know where I'm going to get the strength to apply for this. Yep. And my husband, God love him. He is sounds so like, amazing. Sounds like a fella. Amazing, amazing <laughs> guy. He's like, what, what, what do you need? I'm like, well, I need you to write the entire application. He's like, I'm on it. I'll give it to you to proofread. So he writes it all. He's like, I need some images. I'm like, okay, well, attach that and that. And yeah, that looks great. That's exactly perfect. And he submits it and mm. I get it. And I was like, wow, good job, Brad. Thank you. <laughs> I never told them I didn't even apply for it's a high it. high five again. Yeah, yeah. And then that project, they, this, they originally wanted me to paint on the scaffolding and, and I'm like, uh, like, 
it just wasn't, I didn't want to do it. I yeah. didn't want to take the safety course. Yeah. I just, so again, I'm just like, well, how about we talk to Flagworks? How about I do an original? How about they blow it up? How about you attach it to the building? They're like, that sounds great too. Done. Like I couldn't see myself on the scaffolding for two months. Sounds horrible. Yeah, like, again, I just mm. was honest. Mm -hmm. Now, I would have been disappointed if they said, well, we'll get someone else who wants to be on the scaffold and do the safety course yep. and figure out the, the high lift and all that. Yep. I would have been going, okay, it's fine. But they said, great, let's do that. So the original hangs in the community hall. Oh, it does? Yeah. Cool. So I, would, I went to that site and first of all, the building was kind of pink. Oh yeah. And like, they got a grant for an artist grant through the Calgary Foundation. And I'm like, so we need to paint the building. So like that, the interior designer in me. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, it's pink. Like <laughs> faded. The, the metal is like we need. And they're like, really? And I'm like, no, really. Like it's got to be a different color. And mm. they're like, okay, well, we'll try to find the money. And they did. That's that like dark gray. Yeah. Good for you to remember that. So I go to that site. And then at a certain time, the, the low light Come, the sun setting in the west would cast these amazing shadows mm. on that building for, mm. from the spruce trees that were in the playground. Yep. And I'm like, that's it. And I was supposed to commemorate the opening of the new, um, the city pathway on yeah. the east side of Earl Grey. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to commemorate. That was a big deal. You could circumnavigate. Mm -hmm. But they, they gave me 100% creative license. Cool. And then I had spinoffs from that. Like, People would see it, and I got to do some giant residential art. Awesome. Like, how big can you do it? I'm like, oh, well, I could do it nine by five. Is that big enough? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty big. And some pretty neat tie-ins back to people who, well, this one commission I got was an orthopedic surgeon who mentored my son. And he said, our son, his son, <laughs> um, He's, our son said Lakeview is a really cool place to raise your kids. And so this doctor bought a property on Glenmore Park. And literally two days after our son passed away, the original home was being demolished. And I knew, I had met him. He was uh, real influential in our son's career. Mm. And I just stood on the sidewalk and bawled. Like, I'm like, how, how can this be? Like... This should be Brett building a house in the neighborhood, and I should be raising grandbabies. And mm -hmm. and and I thought, no, he's he's doing what Brett told him to do. Like, find a way to savor this. Mm -hmm. And then I got this big commission. And then there's a memorial bench. And then the bench is in the painting. And this is in their home. And they this was their first original piece of art. Mm -hmm. And it is huge, like. <laughs> How much healing was in that? But at first, I just wanted to throw rocks through the window, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But it was it was so profound mm -hmm. and so amazing. But hard hard to um, hard to not follow that first urge to throw rocks through the window, you know, like to actually whatever it takes to like keep it together and and to then to let it all unfold that way in this like yeah interesting experience. Well, sport, right? Yeah. You can't rip the head off the official. Yeah. You got to take, yeah. I did get some red cards. 
I feel like you got some fire in there. I got a fine in my first match in Italy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, I forgot I wasn't the captain and that I didn't speak the language and I shouldn't (laughs) shake the referee stand. And my players were almost attacking me because you don't do that over there. Mm. I learned. But um, it was remarkable. Like, the memorial bench is in the park. This doctor buys a lot on the park. The closest home to the bench you know, like there was just all these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and uh, it just, uh, I don't really prescribe to the universe is just going to look after you because, yeah. you know, we're hardworking and you you earn things because you persist and yeah. you're resilient, but the universe does look after you also. Mm-hmm. You have to but trust in that. You need the other things too though, right? You need that persistence yeah. and, that, yeah. and being a good human and, you know, doing the right thing. Like, yeah. You got to have all that too. Yeah. And it comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't live how we live because someday we're going to need to make a withdrawal. Yep. It's not how we are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the universe has been good to us. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say it's been terrible to us. For sure. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Um, your art, right? Your art. Do you have a vision for it? Do you know where this is going to like, you know, right now it's, it's in a spot, whatever yeah. the spot turns, it's going to evolve into something else. Do you be okay with art just kind of happening for you for the. I'm really okay with it just happening. Mm. Um, more than ever, like mm. I'd be developing a body of work and a color palette and I'd be exploring subject matter. And it's really weird right now. It's just. I don't know what it is, but I'm so 100% okay with not knowing what it is. That's good. I wouldn't say I'm languishing, although it might look like it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know, you're a visual learner, I'm sure. I'm, I'm always thinking of ways to take nothing and make it into something. Art isn't only putting paint on a canvas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can live an artistic life without having something to show for it although i do like i'm repurposing things i'm cutting things apart i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm i'm doodling i'm drawing i did some books through covid just my personal experience of what was going on it's all there and it's Mm -hmm. all unfolding Mm -hmm. and it's just i i don't really know yeah i guess i'm okay not knowing because i thought i knew Mm -hmm. i thought I was going to raise these boys and then they were going to be this and that. And I was going to sit here and say, my son's a spine surgeon and Mm -hmm. he worked so hard for this. It didn't happen. So it's, it's all okay. Mm -hmm. That, um, the creative, being a creative person is a, can be some, for me, I'll speak for my, it's sometimes it's a bit of a torment. It's like this inner struggle of like, you know, there's something there. You just can't like figure it out, put it together. And then all of a sudden when it happens and it's all these experiences and all these moments and all these things you've seen, and that's what this show is. Yeah. This show is like 20 years of experiences with different, you know, put dipping my feet, feet into becoming a DJ, a graphic designer, you know, like, and then this happens. But it, there's so many of these, these moments of struggle where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But then when it all like clicks, you're like, ah, it's very calming. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, what you've done is remarkable and that you've just trusted, you've trusted that you're going to 
figure it out. Well, you're gonna yeah. mush your way through it, and then you can now reflect and go, "This does make sense." Mm -hmm. Like you've asked me some questions, like how you're this jock and you're this that, and then you do this and you do that, and and I'm uh, kind of looking back, and you force me to say, "I guess it does kind of make sense," but I I don't think I came in thinking how much sense it made. Yeah. And uh, our, how our experiences have really taken us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. and, and for me to be okay with where my art is mm -hmm. now, um, I know I see things differently and that gives you such a quiet confidence mm -hmm. um, just to know that it's there. Yep. It's nowhere else. For sure. And like you talked about kind of the still, like the in-between when stuff just happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to stop doing to just be, yep. to figure out mm -hmm. what is next. Mm -hmm. And um, I, w I was living a very busy life. It was like every day was full and action packed. And mm -hmm. I loved all that. And I'm learning a little bit <laughs> for a little bit of the day to be Chilling. still, mm -hmm. to be still. I'm mm -hmm. better at that. Yep. It's, it's been a chore. Mm -hmm. You still walk every day? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Around the reservoir? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Of, well, not when it's minus 40. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in the parks. Mm -hmm. Look, Calgary's amazing, yeah. seriously. Mm -hmm. There's so many great places to explore in the mountains and the yeah. the whole bow, bow corridor. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm really at a point in my life where the simple is good. We traveled so much. We were all over the world. People in my, you know, aid group, they're all like, oh, we got a cruise and we're going to France. And I'm like, good, have fun. I was there when I was 20. <laughs> I was like, kind of, we live there. Yeah. And where are you off to? Um, you know, we're going to get away from winter and simple. Like mm -hmm. our life is, it's large and fantastic, but yeah. very simple. Mm -hmm. Like I love getting up in the dark and riding or driving to the Killarney pool. Mm -hmm. And it's so basic mm -hmm. and it's so fantastic and the people are so normal yep. and it's it's there. Mm -hmm. We have so many opportunities in this city, mm -hmm. so much. We're lucky. We're so lucky. It's funny you bring out that, that driving in the dark. So I go to, I go to Mount Royal in the mornings Yeah. at six and so it's dark, and, but I love it. Yeah. I love when it, it's quiet, it's dark, it's cold, but it's just the routine of it. You know, the benefits obviously of staying active and staying fit, but it's just, I love it. You are probably like me, and maybe you've thought about this. This, like, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, I only figured this out about 15 years ago. If I'm not active and creative every single day, it's like, look out, don't go near her. You might get your head ripped off. I figured, I figured that out also. Yeah. And, and I figured it out when I was, um, I was working in these, like, in an office job in cubes, in the cubicle, and, you know, I was, I was eating, drinking, not working out, and I was cranky. Yeah. And then the minute I figured it out, that it was like, it was all my physical fitness was tied to my mental fitness. And then I, then I can manage myself. When I'm at home and, and, if, and if, if I'm being irritable with Jody, yeah. I know exactly what's going on. I have worked out in three days and I probably haven't done something cool creatively. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, it's, now I know. It's so simple, but like nobody told me that. But it it it's what our essence is. Yep. And like you can't deny that. So thankfully you're in a position in life where you can 
listen and honor that. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to do the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I fear for people who haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do what we do. That's just it's a, just exciting for us. Yeah. But to realize how simple it is to get sort of homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Which, and this is the cool experience about having the show too. Because then you saying that, me, me trusting or thinking that's like important to me, it just verifies things for me too. Yeah. So that's why these, that's why the show is so cool because I get to pick the brain of, you know, really spectacular people. You're a really creative and curious person mm. and you're an amazing listener. Mm. And, um, you, you know, it's, it's hard for people to come in and talk about themselves for, for an sure. hour, but like, you're phenomenal. Mm. Like. It's exciting what you're doing here, you. and I can't imagine where you're going to go with Perfect. it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll keep you informed. Yes, I'll um, be following. Good, thank you. Um, I end the show with one question. When I say Calgary, where does your head go? Oh, Calgary. Ah, pride. I traveled around the world. I say I'm from Calgary. People knew where Calgary was. Mm. They knew Canada. They knew Calgary. Um, opportunity. Blue skies, got to throw that yes. in there. Um, like a real can-do spirit. Um, I I don't want to live in the past and I don't want to say it's changing and it's different. There's challenges with a bigger city and you know everything's about that. But it's a great place to live. And um, I don't know, I had opportunities to live a lot I'm of places sure. and it's been amazing to call Calgary home. and. Calgary's been really good to us. Yeah. Um, Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for asking. I knew this was going to be a a spectacular one, so Uh uh, thanks for living up to it. I'm going to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Happy tears. Uh, Thank you, and um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. 